Welcome to worship from Schweitzer Church. I'm Pastor Jason. We're so glad that you joined us today. If you're worshiping with us for the first time, we are so glad you're here. We'd love for you to hit the connect button. Let us know your name. We'd love to send you a Starbucks gift card. It's a great time for coffee out on the patio or your favorite drink. But we'd love to just say thank you for being with us in worship today. Today, we're going to start a new sermon series called The Myths of Forgiveness. We're going to find out what forgiveness is and what it isn't and how it connects with our lives. If you'd like to unpack this sermon a little bit more in your own life, we'd encourage you to go to sumc.co slash next. You'll find sermon discussions there. You'll also find ways that you can connect with a group or serve around uh, with Schweitzer. Now let's go to Stephanie as she's got some ways for us to connect this week. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We are so glad you're joining us today. Every week, more and more people are joining us, both here in person and online. If you're here with us today, use your phone to scan the QR code on the pew in front of you to go to our sumc.co slash next website. Here you can download the Church Center app, check in, and even sign up for events like our next All In meeting. Our next all-in meeting will be on May 11th at 6 p.m. And this is a gathering, a virtual gathering for folks who are interested in learning more about Schweitzer. We hope to see you there. It's that time of year again when all of the graduation party invitations are going out. And here at Schweitzer, we wanna celebrate with you. If you have a graduating high school or college senior in your family, we wanna recognize them on May 23rd. Contact us at youth at sumc.co to find out more information about how you can submit your pictures for a special presentation in a few weeks. We are so glad again that you're joining us. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Stephanie, for letting us know how we can connect. Now, if you're worshiping with us live, we encourage you to say hello in the chat. Or if you'd like prayer, there's somebody in the prayer room that would love to pray with you. In Psalm 24, the psalmist says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Let us rejoice in the Lord. Let's enter into worship. Oh 
it's Communion Sunday. And one of the things that it's good to do on Communion Sunday is to have a prayer of confession. So I'm going to invite you to pray along with me this prayer that appears on your screen. And then we'll go into a time of silent prayer where we can lift up prayers of thanksgiving or the things that have been heavy upon our heart for this week. And then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the way of peace. Come into the brokenness of our lives and our land with your healing love. Help us be willing to bow before you in true repentance and to bow to one another in real forgiveness. By the fire of your Holy Spirit, melt our hard hearts and consume the pride and prejudice which separate us. Fill us, O Lord, with your perfect love which casts out our fear and bind us together in that unity which you share with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, as we lift up all of our prayers, we ask, as we have, we've already prayed, that you would fill us, O oh Lord, with your perfect love. And now continue to teach us as we pray the prayer Jesus taught us. When with one voice we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, your faithful and generous giving makes a ton of ministry possible through Schweitzer. Today, Jane Rebke and I have some news we'd like to share with you about some ministry that's changing, expanding, growing. Let's take a look. Hi, my name is Jane, and I'm the director here at Grow to Know Preschool, located here on Schweitzer's campus. Grow to Know has been a part of our ministry here at Schweitzer in the Springfield community for about 21 years, but we are growing again. This summer, we are adding about 100 spots for school-age kids to come on our campus. Schweitzer has generously offered what was the youth room and the space on the second floor for our school-age program. We can't wait to see where God is taking us with our families here at Grow to Know. Thanks, Jane. You may be wondering, where is the youth ministry going? It's going to the Outreach Center. And over the summer, there's gonna be a number of changes so that this space and the Outreach Center space have a place of, of connectivity and they're transformed so that both kids, youth, and outreach ministries can continue to reach and connect with new people. We're really excited that the youth ministry is gonna be moving to the outreach because it opens up a number of possibilities. Possibilities to connect with more people and really for a focused ministry for middle schoolers and high schoolers and their families. We're so thankful to Schweitzer for your generosity that makes transforming this space and connecting with more people and the outreach center a real possibility. We're thankful for the dreams and the reimagined sense of mission that we get to live into. The Lord bless you and keep you. Thanks for the update. Hey, wasn't that cool? Same shirt, different location. Actually, this space is the place where the youth are going to gather beginning this, this week and moving forward. Thanks for your generosity. And you can give today at sumc.co slash give or on the mobile app. Now, let's continue in our worship.
Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. We're gonna start a new series today called Myths of Forgiveness. And through the month of May, we're gonna be talking about exactly that. We're gonna be talking about forgiveness. We're gonna spend the next five weeks um, exploring some, some ideas about forgiveness. And of course, forgiveness is all over the Bible. It's all over the places as followers of Jesus are taught to live and to practice forgiveness. I think about, for instance, verses like Colossians chapter three. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Or I think about Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. There are just verses all over the place in the New Testament calling followers of Jesus to practice forgiveness because as followers of Jesus, we, we are people of forgiveness, except that sometimes we're not. Sometimes we, we live with resentment and sometimes we live with bitterness and sometimes, sometimes those, those resentments and bitterness is, is because of uh, something that happened years ago and it's caused this traumatic thing in our life that has caused us to hold on to a lack of forgiveness. Or sometimes our lack of forgiveness is simply because there's been like this slow drip out of a faucet that has slowly filled up a bucket of resentment in our life towards somebody or something that, that has happened and continued to happen over time. And, and forgiveness is, is something that we've, we've been holding on to and not releasing to other people. But followers of Jesus, of course, we, we practice forgiveness. And just like everything else in the Christian life, forgiveness isn't something that just like happens. You don't stumble into living a life of forgiveness. You don't just like accidentally become a forgiving kind of person. It's something that you cultivate and something that you really live into. And so we're going to explore for five weeks um, some things about forgiveness. And we're really going to dive deep into the question of what is forgiveness? How do, how do we think about this? What, what is it when we talk about forgiveness? And to, and to answer that question, we're really going to look at it kind of in a backwards way of like, well, what is forgiveness? Like, what isn't it? Let's, let's, let's look at the kind of the, the opposite of that. As we talk about forgiveness, we're going to look at some myths about this, some things that keep a lot of us stuck from living into forgiveness because we have the wrong idea about what it is. We've been living with some myths that have, that have kept us from this. And, and really, forgiveness, it's so important that this is something that we should probably do a series on every year. Like we do a tithing series, we need to do a forgiveness series because it's something that we need to pay attention to if we're going to live into what God has for us. And so today to set this up, our, our first myth of forgiveness as we work on what this is, um, we're going to look at one person in the Bible. We're going to cover a ton of ground today, read a ton of scripture, because what I want us to see is this like overarching view of this person's life. And so we're going to look at a, a hero in the Bible and we're going to look at David, as in King David, David and Goliath, David. Everyone knows about David. David, who, who is a man after God's own heart. David, who wrote half the Psalms. David, who, who is this great leader in the Bible, incredibly inspiring David. And then at the same time, the same David who utterly fails in living a life of forgiveness. And so we're going to look at him and look at this, this big arc of his life to see his failure of forgiveness. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you come across people like David and they're incredibly inspiring. And they're the kinds of people you're like, I want to be like them. David who took five smooth stones and killed Goliath because he trusted in the Lord. And then other times you come across people in the Bible and they're like a warning, don't be like them. And sometimes it's the same person. And this is David today. It's going to be the same, same person who is this hero and yet is a warning, don't be like him. And so to set this up, we're going to be in 2 Samuel 16 to start. And to set this up, we need a little backstory of, of, of what's leading into this moment in David's life. Because we're going to start in David's like lowest point in life. And uh, this, this is, this is um, after he's been king, after he's killed Goliath, after he's ex established himself and been successful in his life. Um, things start to 
to unravel around him. There's some failure that starts. The, the, the unraveling really starts when, when David commits adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. And to say adultery is a little not quite accurate because really what happens is David coerces Bathsheba and uh, David's the king. Bathsheba is a woman in the culture, has no power really. David has all the power. David um, has all the power. She doesn't have any. She really can't say no. And of course, there's a word we use for when someone has all the power and someone else can't give consent. And that word is rape. This is what David does. Um, Bathsheba gets pregnant. Things start to spiral out of control. David's solution to, to pregnant Bathsheba is he kills her husband. Like it's getting terrible. This is a terrible, terrible thing in David's life. And this decision he makes with Bathsheba and to kill his husband, her husband, it opens like a, a Pandora's box of all kinds of other problems. David's oldest son, like on the heels of David's failure, David's oldest son, the Bible tells us, then has a sexual sin against his sister. And again, let me say that more accurately. His oldest son rapes his sister. David sees this, this, this terrible thing happening in his family. And, and David, the king, David, the father, the patriarch of the family, doesn't do anything. He keeps quiet. He doesn't address the problem. He doesn't address the sin. He doesn't address any of it. He just keeps quiet. So David's next oldest son, Absalom is his name. He takes matters in his own hands and David's oldest son, or next oldest son, Absalom, kills the oldest son who had raped the sister. Now, in case you're not, like we need a flow chart to really track out all of the dysfunction that is taking part and taking place in David's family. And again, after Absalom kills his brother who had raped the sister, you know what David does? Nothing. He doesn't lead, he doesn't step in, he doesn't hold anyone accountable, nothing. And so Absalom grows more and more frustrated with David and he starts a civil war to try to uh, take the kingdom away from his father. And uh, David, at this point, he he very early in the civil war, he begins to lose the war. Absalom takes over Jerusalem and this enters our story. 2 Samuel chapter 16, David is fleeing from Jerusalem because his oldest son Absalom has taken uh, the throne away from him. And this is what we read. And we're going to meet a, a character here that is going to haunt David for the rest of his life. So 2 Samuel 16, verse 5. As David, King David approached Baharim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. Saul was the king before David. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. Though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. He's going away from Jerusalem because he's been thrown out of Jerusalem, thrown away from the kingdom, thrown away from the throne. His, his son has, has started a war against him. He's leaving Jerusalem. And here's this man, his old enemy, throwing stones at him and cursing him. And, and his troops all around him. Verse 7 says, as he cursed, um, Shimei said, get out. Get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Like how, how low must David feel at this point? His own son has usurped him. Here's this old enemy throwing stones at him and cursing him and reminding him about his failure. Verse nine keeps going here. It says, Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. And of course, David says, yeah, absolutely do it. This guy's the worst. Please do that. No, actually, verse 10 says, the king said, but what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask? 
What do you, why, why do you do this? David then said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. So David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted. This is the low point of David's life. He's been thrown out of Jerusalem. His son has taken the throne. There's been a war that he's losing. He has to leave in shame. And here is this old enemy resurfaced to remind him of all of his failures. David, though, is a warrior. He's a fighter. And while he had to leave Jerusalem in shame, he doesn't stay there. He gathers men around him and he starts to fight back in this war, the civil war. And he eventually defeats Absalom and his forces. And, and he's coming back into Jerusalem. If we're going to fast forward into the story, uh, three chapters in 2 Samuel. And as we fast forward back in the story, David is victorious. He's coming back into Jerusalem as the undisputed king. And as he does, we're going to meet an old friend, Shimei. Here's how it goes. 2 Samuel chapter 19, three chapters later. It says, now the men of Judah had come to Gilgal to go out and meet the king and bring him across the Jordan, really to bring him back into Jerusalem, back into victory, back into his power and where he had before. Verse 16, Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Bahurim, hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And I want you to catch that word we just read there, hurried. Hurried down with the men of Judah to meet King David. He's like, oh no, this did not go how I thought it went. Hope he doesn't remember all the rocks and the dirt that I threw at him and, and all the, and the, and the ways I cursed him. So with him were a thousand Benjamites along with uh, Ziba, the steward of Saul's household and his 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed, they're hurrying up. They got to go meet the king because now the king is victorious. He was, he was defeated, but now he's victorious. They rushed to the Jordan where the king was. They crossed at the ford to take the king's household over and to do whatever he wished. And when Shimei, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king. He's, he's humbled himself and he said to him, may my Lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord, the king left Jerusalem. Like I'm not gonna specifically say what I did, but I admit I did wrong on the day you left Jerusalem. May the king, he says, put it out of his mind. We don't need to think about this anymore. We don't, we don't need to dwell on this. He goes on and says, for I, your servant, know that I've sinned. But today I've come here as the first from the tribes of Joseph to come down and meet my Lord, the king. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, he's the one who wanted to take his head off. And when they were leaving Jerusalem said, shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. David replied, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? What right do you have to interfere? Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Don't I know that today I am king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king promised him on oath. It's really a beautiful story. It's reconciliation and healing, forgiveness. Shimei, who has cursed the king when David was at his lowest, threw rocks at him and kicked dirt on his head, cursed him as he left, reminded him of all his failure. Now he's given this promise, this gift of forgiveness, that today is a day of rejoicing. It's a day of victory. It's, it's not a day of vengeance. And you can look at the story of David here, these two episodes, from his lowest point to when he comes back in victory, and you see Shimei acting in both places. And you, you could look at David's life here, 
And you could see it as a model of forgiveness. Because it's, it's tempting to see what David does here as, as what a forgiveness looks like in an inspiring kind of way. That, that David comes into Jerusalem, he doesn't hang on to the offense, he doesn't hang on to what it is that Shimei has done to him. He, he, he lets it go and there's reconciliation, there's forgiveness. David has moved past this, he's not holding it on anymore. He doesn't feel that, that bitterness and resentment towards Shimei that he did when he was leaving Jerusalem on that terrible day. It's easy to see that it's tempting to see that as a, as a model um, of forgiveness. And sometimes when we think about forgiveness, this is kind of how we think about it. We think that forgiveness is kind of what David does here. He just kind of flips a switch and all of a sudden his emotions that, that were bitter, now they're good. And, and there's reconciliation and there's generosity towards this other person. And, and he used to feel this old way. He was offended and he was hurt and, and there was vengeance, but now he feels good and uh, he's like flipped the switch and all of his emotions are changed. And where there was resentment, now there's generosity. And where there was, there's pain, now there's forgiveness. And he just flipped the switch and, and this is how this has worked. And it's tempting sometimes to think of forgiveness like that. That forgiveness is like this the switch that you flip and all of a sudden you feel differently about this person that you're interacting with and this person who's hurt you and offended you and this, 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 this unforgiveness that you feel, you could just like get rid of it. If you just could change how you feel about things and flip the switch and now you're in a different situation altogether. It's tempting to see it that way, except that's not actually how the story goes. Because once more, we're gonna fast forward in David's story and we're gonna go to the very end of his life years and years and years and years into the future. In fact, we're gonna go to another book of the Bible. We're gonna go to the very end of his life. David is an old man. He's on his deathbed and he's giving instructions to, to his followers, the people who are gonna come after him about what should come next. And so let's flash forward. This is 1 Kings chapter two. Here's how it goes. It says, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. Solomon is the king after David. And David's about to give his last words here. And in the Bible, your last words are some of the most important things that you say. I mean, it's often uh, held up in the Bible. Last words are so, so important. For instance, Moses' last words are a whole book of the Bible. It's Deuteronomy is the last words of Moses. Last words are always so, so important to pay attention to. So here's David, King David's last words. He says to Solomon, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. Be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do whatever you, and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promises to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Good. Last words here, be strong, be courageous, great words for a leader to have. They're remembering the promises of God that the descendants of David will rule forever. Uh, really leaning into this, the faithfulness of God, great last words to hold on to, to be reminded of. And after he gives these words, David's gonna talk about some of the officials that are around him as well. So verse five, onto some official business of the king. It says, now you yourself know what Joab, son of Zariah did to me. Joab is the commander of David's forces, his troops. What he did to the two commanders of Israel's name, armies, um, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether, he killed them, shedding their blood in peacetime as if in battle. And with that blood, he stained the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet. Deal with him according to your wisdom and do not let his gray head go down to the grave in peace, but show kindness to the sons of Barzillai 
of Gilead and let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood by me when I fled, listen to this, when I fled from your brother Absalom, when I fled from your brother Absalom, which had to trigger some memories for him about that day when he left Jerusalem and the low point of his life when it looked like he was losing the kingdom and that old enemy resurfaced and started to curse him and throw rocks at him and dirt at him. And so David remembers, he's got one more thing to say on his deathbed. Verse eight says, and remember, you have with you Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Bahurim, who called down bitter curses on me the day I went to Mahanaim. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword. This is the promise, that day of forgiveness instead of vengeance. But verse nine, David says, but now do not consider him innocent. Do not consider him innocent. Remember what he's done to me. Remember the harm, the offense. Remember how he insulted me. Remember how he treated me. Don't consider him innocent. Even though I gave him this promise, you don't consider him innocent for what he, what he does. And he goes on, David says, you are a man of wisdom. You will know what you're to do to him. He's like, you, you'll know how to deal with this. You're a smart guy. You're, you've got it figured out. You'll, you'll know what to do. You'll know how to treat him. You'll know how to respond to him. Actually, actually scratch all that. Here's what you're supposed to do to him. Here's what I want you to do. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. Let me read that to you one more time. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood blood. I know he's an old man. Don't let that fool you. Make it hurt. Be violent. Let there be lots of blood and pain and agony for him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. Verse 10, then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. (laughs) Catch that. David's last words, the last thing he says, bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. At the very end of David's life, what is he talking about? Vengeance. This is David. David who trusted in the Lord, who wrote the Psalms, like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. This is David who with five smooth stones took down the the enemy Goliath because he trusted in the Lord. This is David who the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart and the last words out of his mouth are of vengeance. See, David's a warning. Don't be like him. Yes, he's a hero in the Bible. Yes, he's done things that are so inspiring, but he's also a person who shows us what happens when you don't deal with your need to forgive. When you don't deal with this need to forgive and you hold on to these things, what you find is that they're gonna be with you until the very end. And so the last things that you're thinking about, the last things that are haunting you are these old enemies and old offenses and old hurts that are still fresh on your mind and fresh on your heart. The last words of David are of vengeance because what happens when we don't deal with our need to forgive is that this unforgiveness, the bitterness and the resentment, it stays with us. But we are followers of Jesus. We're people of forgiveness. And so if you remember at the very beginning of this message, I started off by reading two uh, different passages to you, one from Colossians, one from Ephesians. And that was very much on purpose because I wanted to come back to them here. 
So one more time, I want to read those two verses to you. And, and as we do, I want to connect some dots about how forgiveness works. Because what we're going to see is that forgiveness, what we see with David, is it's not just this flip of a switch that you make and all of a sudden your emotions are different and you can just let things go and you don't need to move past them anymore. Rather, that's not really how forgiveness works. So here's those two passages one more time. Here's Colossians chapter 3. Bear with each other, bear with each other, and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's so much we could say about this passage, but I want to just connect a few dots here. And I want you to notice how in this verse, bearing with each other and forgiveness are equated. They're they're connected to one another. And you know what, as you think about this, like bearing with other people is not something that you just flip a switch with and all of a sudden things are good. And it's just this one time you have to do like one thing, you just have to forgive or just bear with each other. Like bearing with other people is something that you have to do on an ongoing basis. It's something that you have to put up with over and over and over and over again. It's something that you have to embrace on a daily kind of thing, a daily kind of basis. There's this sense that bearing with each other is something that you continually live into. The same is true for forgiveness. Forgiveness is not this one-time release. I'm going to flip the switch. My, my emotions are changed. I'm not resentful anymore. And all of a sudden it's over. No, no, no. It's just like bearing with each other. It's something that you continually practice. Let's go to the next passage, Ephesians chapter four. Same kind of idea. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, a whole lot we could say about this, but I just want you to notice that once again, forgiveness, it's, it's linked to being kind and compassionate. These, these actions of ongoing relationship and ongoing acts of kindness and compassion. That's really what we read here. The sense here is that this is not just a one-time action of kindness, a one-time action of compassion. It's an ongoing way of life that you live, a life of kindness and compassion or bearing with each other. And forgiveness operates in the same kind of way. Forgiveness is, is not a a switch that you flip and all of a sudden you feel different and you let it go and you could just move on. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is a way of life where we continually practice and live into this. And some of us have gotten stuck with forgiveness because we think we moved past it, but, but we still find ourselves picking up the old hurts and the old baggage and the old offenses. And we come back to the old arguments and we can't really move past this. And one of the reasons for this is that is that forgiveness is not just a quick change of emotions. It's not how I feel on the inside. What forgiveness is, is a, is a continual way of life to release the debt. It's a continual practice that every time I'm tempted to pick up the old hurts, every time I'm tempted to, to let those things run back through our brain, every time I'm tempted to, to revisit the old arguments is that I'm gonna release the debt. I'm not gonna hold on to these anymore. I'm not going to live in this, in this sense of continuing to come back to this. Instead, I'm going to follow the way of Christ and I'm going to let this go. I'm going to release this for other people. I'm going to treat them the way that God has treated me. And so we see David and David is a warning about what happens when we don't live into this process. When we don't continue to come back to this work that God wants to do in us, this this way of life that forgiveness is, as we continually practice this release of the debt for other people. And so David, in this very end of his life, he's still speaking these words of vengeance. And so us, though, as followers of Jesus, we embrace a way of life that is forgiveness. 
where over and continually and, and, and every day we, we choose to live in this way of forgiveness. And the reason we do this is because this is how we've been treated. This is what the Lord has done for us, which is what we read in Colossians and Ephesians, that we forgive as Christ has forgiven us, as God has forgiven us. And what God has done for us is, is he's canceled our debt. He's welcomed us into a relationship with him, even though we've offended him, even though we've hurt him, even though we've offended the people he loves and the people that he loves, we've hurt them as well, that God still offers forgiveness to us. And this is, this is a forgiveness that is not just a one-time thing, it's a continual thing. God is continuing to offer forgiveness to us. Every day, the Bible says, his mercies are new to us, that he is continuing to reach out to us in relationship and continuing to pull us in. This is what the grace of God does. And in the same way, we mimic this to the world and extend this out as well, that we offer this same forgiveness. And so today, I, I, I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you. Are there are there people in your life that you need to release? There's debts, offenses, hurts that, that, that come back on you. Maybe they're big things. Maybe they're small drips of a faucet that have slowly filled a bucket. And what you need to do is you need to let go of those things. You need to release them as Christ has done for you, to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And so the, the source of forgiveness, the reason why we would live into this way of life that is a practice of continual forgiveness is because of what Jesus has done. And so today we celebrate with this in a meal, a meal of bread and wine that reminds us of the sacrifice that he gave that we might have forgiveness. And so today we take bread and we break the bread. And as we break the bread, we're reminded about how that the Last Supper, Jesus shared the meal with his disciples and he took the bread and gave to his disciples and told them to eat this and to remember him. And this was his body that was broken for them. And so we remember the broken body of our Lord. It was given for us that we might be forgiven. In the same way, we take a cup of, of wine and we remember how Jesus took the wine and he gave thanks. He gave to his disciples and told them to drink from him and to remember him and his shed blood on the cross. And as he gave that cup of wine to his followers, he said that this was a new covenant, a covenant of the forgiveness of sins, a covenant that God is going to forgive us and live with us and offer us life eternal. And so this is what we have today, what we celebrate is this new life in Christ. And so friends, as you have been forgiven from the Lord, as you have experienced his mercy and grace and the new life that he gives to you, may you share that with those around you. Let's pray together. And so Father, today, as we celebrate and remember your great love for us, the forgiveness that you have offered to us, we want to receive what you have. We open our hearts to you. We, we confess that we are sinners, that we have offended you and hurt you, and we have walked away and not done what you want us to do. We've hurt those you love, and we ask for your forgiveness today, that you might make us new, that you wouldn't hold this against us, but rather that we could have a full relationship with you. And in the same way, where there are those who have offended us and hurt us and places and people that we're holding on to resentment and offense, would you give us the strength to continually practice this, this life of forgiveness. And in you, we know that there's an unlimited amount of mercy, an unlimited amount of grace that we wanna to receive today. And for anyone who's with us, who's not experienced your forgiveness today, may today be a chance for them to receive you in their life, to receive this gift of forgiveness that you offer. And so Lord, today as we gathered around various places, would you pour out uh, your Holy Spirit on our gifts of bread and wine? Would you make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ 
that we might be the body of Christ who's been redeemed by your blood. Would you make us one with one another, one with Christ, and one in ministry to all the world until you come in your heavenly banquet we feast with you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray today. Amen. And so friends, I want to invite you, wherever you're at, if you have bread and wine, to take and eat the bread and to be reminded of Jesus' broken body given for you. In the same way, we take a cup of wine and would you take yours and remember the blood of Christ that's been shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining us in worship today. We hope this speaks to you in a real, profound, intangible way. We want to say thank you to Alec and Taylor for their work behind the scenes and to Stephanie, Mary, and KJ for their help in leading us in worship, to Spencer for bringing a word from the Lord. If you know somebody that would be helped by this sermon and this worship experience, we encourage you to take a moment and share this with them. You can also share on social media, and we say thanks for your sharing. We look forward to worshiping with you soon. Go in the peace of the Lord and serve the Lord with gladness.